Hello and welcome to another edition of 41 Files on a pre-Valentine's Day edition. We are one day before Valentine's Day, and right now we are in love with the forecast for at mm. least the next 36 hours or so because we have sunshine out there. We have uh, highs set for 50s for at least a couple of days. That is a welcome addition um, for Valentine's Day for Elton John, who's going to be in Kansas City tonight for his farewell tour. It's, oh, I didn't realize he was in town. It's tonight at Sprint Center. Tonight um, being Wednesday. Wednesday. Yeah. The, Wednesday the 13th. Uh, he, he is, he's in uh, Kansas City for a sold-out concert for his farewell tour. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're glad. Right now we're in love with the temperatures. Sam Hartle here, as always, digital, digital producer. Hi, Sam. I'm slowly warming up to – so uh, during the last big snowstorm when we had that, that heavy snow, um, I lost my power for three days, and that really kind of took the luster off of winter for me. Yeah. Uh, and it's slowly coming back. And so I'm all, I'm almost uh, in love with the forecast for the next week. Because we have three rounds of snow. Three chances. Yeah. Three rounds of snow starting uh, Thursday night into Friday morning. Lindsey Anderson was talking about on 41 Action News today this morning that uh, Friday we could be talking about school cancellations or at the very least early dismissals because of when the snow could hit. She said, unlike the last couple of snows that have been overnight or super early in the morning, this could be an all-day kind mm. of snow event, um, which we haven't really seen as much, So, uh, not since Thanksgiving anyway. Um, so, um, yeah, it's it's going to be a quick quick look at warmth, just to remind you that the groundhog did say early spring. Yeah, the <laughs> groundhog then, needs some new data, I think. Oh, yeah, talk to... Talk to uh, to Jeff about that in the morning. <laughs> he, was, he was inspired up about that. <laughs> Our meteorologist Jeff Benner is uh, he's anti Punxsutawney Phil uh, is to put it mildly. He could fit into that movie very well. Uh, we've got a couple of great stories we're going to be talking about today on Forty One Files. Um, first off, Tom Dempsey will be in studio to talk about his exclusive sit down with Governor Laura Kelly of Kansas. Uh, one month into her term as governor, she you know she had. Um, quite a long, long buildup after her win. She had a few months of kind of putting everything together, and she finally got into office a month ago, and he got a chance to sit down and talk with her about how she feels the first month is going and what's next for her in uh, in the next few weeks and months ahead. Also, um, uh, 41 Action News reporter Stephen Dial will be in studio to talk about gambling, and that's a that's a topic that I think a lot of people are really interested in, in Prior to it being a news story, I think a lot of people have casual interest in, yeah, I like to gamble. No, I don't. And now that the Supreme Court um, recently made it to where it is legal to bet on sports gambling uh, nationwide, Kansas is looking at different things. There's options in Missouri and not just for casinos, possibly different things to do um, to place your bets. And there's already leagues getting in on this. The NFL is considering it a lot. The NBA has already said what they would like if it's if it's regulated. So that's a that's a big topic of conversation if you'd like to casually place bets on sports, uh, that's something you might be able to do more of in the future, and Stephen's going to be here to talk about that. Yeah, we're coming off of the uh, the Super Bowl, which is obviously one of the biggest betted. Huge. Sure. Most betted? Most bet? Highest, <laughs> most wagered? Let's go most, most wagered. Wa- most wagered. Uh, I like that. <laughs> and, uh, and then, of course, the next thing we got up is the uh, the NCAA tournament. Sure. Um, which, uh, you know, if you, if you do an office pool, uh, maybe you don't want to be the one that organizes it, because... Uh, uh, sometimes I like organizing them. I, I'm always frustrated when people tread, don't tread, organize tread them. Tread carefully. On, sure, on definitely. Uh, I, I grew up in the day where uh, my first newsroom uh, March Madness bracket pool consisted of literally people printed out their, their bracket, mm-hmm. and we taped it to a wall in the newsroom. We had a wall full of brackets, and as I, was, I started in sports, and as one of the sports guys, I was helping out with that, and it was my job on the weekends when I was working to take the Sharpie and the yellow highlighter to the entire wall and just work my way through. And the OCD in me 
had a lot of fun with that. <laughs> did you feel pressure as a sports guy to have a higher performing bracket than other people? I did the first year, and after I realized that that was ridiculous, and I was mostly <laughs> a sports guy just because I could talk and not because of my knowledge of sports, I let go of that dream pretty quickly. So I'm, that's, that's how I was able to be a sports guy. It had much more to do with my ability to speak on a microphone rather than uh, my ability of knowing what a sport should include or not. So we're here in the podcast studio with reporter Tom Dempsey and reporter Stephen Dial. We're talking all things Kansas today. Tom, it's been a minute since you've been on the pod. Yeah, good to be back here on uh, 41 Files for sure. Uh, and Stephen, uh, you took a couple-week hiatus uh, uh, right. after the Chiefs uh, wrapped up their season. Yeah, you staying warm? I needed to mentally, you know, just decompress, relax, you know. Do we think that Patrick Mahomes, I mean, because he's been in the spotlight He's in, in Texas Texas right now, more. chilling by the pool and working out. Playing, Playing video, video games, games right, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. With uh, Andy Reid as his uh, character. So, Tom, you sat down with uh, Kansas Governor Laura Kelly on Monday in an exclusive interview um, that we've been airing parts of uh, all this week on 41 Action News. I think the main story is coming out uh, tomorrow. So if you're listening uh, before that, uh, make sure you want to watch that. Uh, that interview kind of was the one-month anniversary, uh, so to speak, of her being uh, sworn into office. Um What's the feeling so far uh, for Governor Kelly and uh, and legislators in Topeka? I always really enjoy these one-on-one interviews when you get to meet them in person because, you know, we're so used to covering the campaign events where they talk about the issues and everyone's riled up and cheering and such. And it's much different, I think, when you're a reporter and you get to meet them face-to-face and you get to kind of pick up on some of their, you know, personality traits or the way they talk about things or the way they react to things. Uh, Laura Kelly, you know, very calm but confident person that struck me, and I know we're going to get to it, but talking about her Senate experience, very experienced with the way things work in Topeka. Uh, One month into her term, you know, obviously wants to bring some change. She's following uh, not only Jeff Collier, but uh, Sam Brown back, so uh, you know, day one in office, she uh, implements protections for LGBTQ workers that uh, Sam Brownback had gotten rid of. So right from the start, she said that was a campaign promise. I wanted to do that from the, you know, the start. And she wanted to send a message on day one that we're an open state and we are welcoming to everybody. So I think we're going to see a lot more of those, uh, you know, campaign cornerstones of her. And again, I know we're going to get to them, but Medicaid expansion, school funding, big talkers of her interview on Monday. And it was... Just very interesting to meet her one-on-one. So the thing I want to start with, and I think she talked about this in her campaign, and it was also something you guys talked about, um, was that she kind of promised a different demeanor in in Topeka, you know, coming off of, like you said, the Governor Brownback administration, uh, uh, and then for the last uh, several months with uh, Governor Collier. I think that's largely um, uh, borne out, I think. And and that's something that she's attributed to her legislative experience. Well, uh, I think the fact that I was in the Senate for so long uh, and that uh, I was on the Budget Committee and uh, there's no better place to learn about the state uh, than sitting in the Budget Committee and and, uh, hearing about all the agencies and all the programs and whatnot. So I think that 14 years of experience and knowledge uh, is serving me very well uh, because there's nothing new under the sun here. So when when things come up, I, I sort of already get it. I know a lot. Yeah, I mean, that was a big part of our conversation was her experience as a um, state senator, 14 years in Topeka as a state senator. 
Um, and, you know, she was on the budget committee. That was a big part of our conversation. She was saying, you know, when you're on the budget committee in particular, you see what issues are getting funding. You see what issues maybe are struggling or departments are struggling. And she was saying, you know, I asked her what was the biggest thing she learned as a state senator that she could apply to uh, being governor. And she said, you know, the impact of the budget and, you know, everything that goes into that. So that was a very big part, I thought, that struck me as, you know, uh, 2016 in particular stands out to me as it was very cool to be the outsider coming into the race. We saw that, obviously, with President Trump and uh, Governor Greitens in Missouri. Now, you know, we're seeing a very experienced state senator come in here, uh, in big knowledge of the process, if you will, working with the other side. Uh, you know, she was telling me she was, you know, during her Senate career, she was known as a no-nonsense person who could work with the other side. And that was a huge part of her inauguration speech a month ago was uh, compromise. I know that's a very big uh, trendy word to use when we're talking about politics nowadays. But, you know, if we're talking about someone who knows how to work with the other side and knows how to maybe get things done in Topeka, the, you know, the, 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 the traditional way, if you will, with uh, state leaders, Laura Kelly, look no further. I mean, a 14-year state senator, and she addressed some of that. Now, one, one of the things I will say is Tom mentioned, um, you know, throughout um, – Governor Kelly's career, she has been able to work across the aisle. She's in an interesting position now, and I think in a kind of between a rock and a hard place because um, Republicans are not going to give her everything. And the the legislature is conservative. Susan Waggle, the the Senate president. Um, what what do you think, Tom? In in reference to, I kind of said this uh, a few weeks ago of. What will be that thing where you think Republicans and Democrats can work together? Will it be education or or something else? Because I just I don't see them as just giving a Democratic governor a win on everything. Education is going to be an interesting one, I think, because uh, you know it, it, it involves boosting funding even more for it and getting out of court. And she spoke to us about the importance of getting out of court. I'm going to be really curious to see how Medicaid expansion works in the state because uh, not only – Governor Kelly's talking about the cost savings with all of that if we expand Medicaid and the amount of jobs it can bring and how it can help rural hospitals in particular who are going through some tough times right now. Um, that issue in particular, and she's so passionate about it, I mean, between education funding and Medicaid expansion, those are the top two issues that come to mind when it comes to Governor Kelly. So – Medicaid expansion more so than school funding, I can see that little, you know, give and go between the two mm -hmm. sides. Let's take a step back real quick to, to education funding. Um, and to me, it kind of goes back to if she's changed the demeanor uh, back to maybe what it was before the Brownback administration. Uh, that also means that um, some of the legislative issues that um, have been around are still around. So um, she... Well, she changed the demeanor. She hasn't been able to necessarily change a whole lot of the of what issues are still in play, um, and that includes education. Well, you know, public education is probably the most important thing uh, that we as a state do, and so uh, that's one of the reasons that it was number one during my campaign and number one uh, here uh, in my in my budget. Um, you know, we we need to get out of court. Uh, you know, we've spent far too much time there. Uh, and we need to adequately fund our schools uh, in an equitable fashion. Uh, yeah, I mean, anyone who's familiar with Kansas and news out of Kansas and the politics, school funding has been a controversy for years. I mean, this has been the, the state Supreme Court uh, going back and forth with state conservatives over what's fair, what's equitable, um, you know, what's the right cost to give to public schools in Kansas. 
Um, so basically what Governor Kelly wants to do is there was a funding increase approved by the state last year for education. She wants to add $90 million on top of that annually, and she says that'll get him out of court. She's saying that that would be the big weight lifted off the shoulders of the state if we can get this out of court and start, you know, spending that on public education. And as she said right there, I mean, that's, you know, one of the top, top priorities of her budget that she's trying to get passed right now is to really address school funding. And let's come on, let's turn the page and start working on something else. You know, school funding has just been such a, as I was was saying, you know, a controversy in the state. And they want to move past that right now. What's been the reaction so far from her proposals from the other side uh, in the statehouse? You know, it's it it all goes back to that battle with the state Supreme Court. You know, what is equitable? Conservatives have one idea. The state Supreme Court in particular has another idea. I think Democrats obviously want to side with the Supreme Court. So it's just that 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 give and take, if you will, the, uh, the the battle over that. And I think the main focus is going to be how can they get out of court with this? And, you know, with uh, Governor Kelly's proposal at $90 million extra annually, she's saying that solves it. And some Repu- some Republicans um, from the school of Chris Kobach in Kansas think that the Supreme Court has no jurisdiction over saying how much money the legislature can give and not give to a certain entity. So you have that group of uh, lawmakers, too, who also believe that, you know, why are we listening to the Supreme Court if— We've done this for years. We've allocated money to different organizations, and the Supreme Court hasn't voiced an opinion, so why are we focused on the Supreme Court now? We'll get to Medicaid expansion here in a second, but on the Supreme Court, um, there was an effort, I think, at the end of last legislative session, and it was bandied about uh, before this legislative session, about passing uh, uh, an amendment that would just take away jurisdiction from the Supreme Court at all. Is that still a thing? I haven't heard any traction on that. Right. But no, I know it was mentioned. Um, So on Medicaid expansion, that's one of the other things we've talked about. That's one of the things that Governor Kelly has talked about, um, both on the campaign trail and now that she's uh, been in office uh, in her State of the State address, uh, she announced that she was going to form a committee uh, to kind of develop a a bipartisan approach to uh, to implementing um, what she thinks is a pretty important deal for uh, for Kansas. Uh, We're in a situation now where we have left over $3 billion back in Washington, D.C., Kansas taxpayer dollars uh, that's been distributed to other states for them uh, to take care of their citizens and them to grow their economies. We need to bring those dollars uh, back to Kansas. Um, We could then provide access to affordable health care for about 150,000 more Kansans. But we're also very likely to see what Louisiana did, which is actually a cost savings and creation of thousands of new jobs. So uh, it's, it's important for all parts of Kansas, but particularly our rural areas where we have a number of hospitals, a couple of them have already closed, and we've got close to 30 of them on the brink of it uh, if we don't do something. So Medicaid expansion is important for a whole host of reasons. Yeah, a very big, uh, you know, as I keep saying, a cornerstone of her campaign, Medicaid expansion. Some of the numbers behind it, as she said right there, 150,000 extra people covered uh, by 2020 with all of this. Um, And she's saying it could bring jobs. It can lead to cost savings in Kansas. So definitely expect that issue to be a big talker with uh, Governor Kelly during her term. Um, And she, you know, she kind of described the rural hospitals going through a very tough time now because of the questions over coverage. Uh, so this isn't just a big city thing. It's a very rural thing, too, in Kansas and something that could impact a lot of people. And I think some of the debate over it, I think, is what you're seeing is just kind of that fallout, too, uh, continuing to be from the Affordable Care Act. 
uh, under President Obama. So we'll see that. Uh, I think we'll definitely con- continue to see that unfold here in Kansas. I don't know if you guys have seen if this will have any influence, but there are several other uh, conservative-led states um, that have been able to move forward on Medicaid expansion in their particular states. Can that serve as a model for, for what Kansas wants to do here? Well, it helps Governor Kelly, I think, when you see you know those conservative states saying, look, th- look what they did, too. And then she brought that, you know, some of the you mm-hmm. know, other states into it, too. I think it's, you know, you have some examples to go by. So I definitely would expect her to bring up those examples, too, as a pitch for here's why we should do this, guys. And again, that compromise. Right. I think the ultimately what, it, what it's going to come down to, and you spoke about this in your interview with Governor Kelly on Monday, is it all comes down to the budget. Yes, and that's a huge thing. I spoke to her, too, about, you know, what's the number one issue right now for you one month into office? What is the number one issue for Governor Kelly? The budget. They were a complete and total disaster, <clears throat> and I think we've seen it all across the state. I, I presented a structurally balanced budget, which means that we are taking in more revenue than we're spending. Uh, we also left the largest ending balance uh, in 20 years. Uh, I think uh, I want to go back to something you said, Sam, earlier in this uh, podcast about, uh, you know, what's some of the things that are still lingering around for her term as governor from maybe the last uh, you know, a few years under Republican leadership in the state, look no further than the Brownback tax cuts. I mean, still getting over that very much so. And she wants to continue to help the state move past those. You see it in her budget right here. You know, she's uh, bragging about the amount of money that uh, will still be in a rainy day fund for the state. Um, one thing I thought was interesting that came up during that conversation, again, she was like, you know, yeah, I'd like to have a rainy day fund personally and from a government standpoint. Um, you know, I think a lot of us right now are watching the American economy, the U.S. economy, and saying things are going well right now. But, you know, I think it's an economic expert thing to say, when is that bubble going to burst? And she brought up the possibility of a recession possibly happening. She's not saying it's going to happen soon, or, but she's saying, you know, we need to be ready for that and be ready to deal with something like that. So this is, you know, she's planning ahead. And, you know, I guess, you know with that rainy day fund, she wants to have some money left over in case something does come up. So after the, you have to tell me if it was before or after the serious questions, um, you had an opportunity to uh, to ask the after, governor. Very much okay, so. All after. Right. They were giving us a five-minute warning for the, uh, and we had just wrapped up our interview, and I said, 60 more seconds, please, 60 more <laughs> seconds. Uh, and you used those 60 more seconds um, for something, uh, for lots of really important questions. Um, you asked your uh, favorite book, favorite movie, um, some hobbies, favorite food, stuff like that. Uh, I thought it was interesting. She didn't just say beef. It was Kansas. Very politician answer. Of all the answers, one was the politician answer. Was the favorite food. What else stood out from uh, from kind of that fun section of the interview? Uh, I liked uh, her favorite quote. She really had to think about that one. Margaret Mead. She says, you know, to the likes of you know, one person can make a difference. Um, Joan Baez. Really, what I thought was the most passionate answer as far as what's your favorite song or music. She was very quick with that one. Uh, not a big TV watcher. She said her favorite movie was Grapes of Wrath, I believe, uh, was the answer to that one. That was a fun thing because, you know, you're talking about all the issues and then you get to really see, you know, the fun stuff that, uh, you know, quick answers. Does that kind of mirror, uh, Stephen, uh, in the campaign? You did some co- uh, conversations with the candidates and you had interviewed uh, Governor or then uh, Senator uh, candidate yeah. uh, Kelly uh, in a Topeka restaurant. Does that kind of mirror your experience there? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think. 
you know, lawmakers are people too, and they actually probably enjoy the the what sounds to some, you know, stuck up journalists as a oh, that's a terrible question. Why are you talking about that? But that actually lets people see the human side of them because they might say something that you may also like, and so. Having those interactions are, are fun. When I talked to Laura Kelly, candidate Kelly, um, you know, she was talking about how when she was growing up, she wanted to uh, um, play for the Yankees. And she found out that she couldn't because she was a girl. And she found out at a, at a young age and that she used to play in the LGBA. Um, I mean, what I said it wrong. LPGA. LPGA. Did I say it that way? So yeah, she no, played this, golf. This is a very interesting uh, segment, I thought, and I she she didn't say her favorite sports team too, because she said she kind of, mm. it was kind of that look like I don't want to say because it might be a controversial answer, which mm-hmm. made me think I don't know who it is <laughs> right. she's alluding to, but I'm thinking she's Kansas. Is it you know is it Mizzou or is it like the Raiders or the Broncos? I don't know, people. If you're listening, I know she will not uh, be ashamed to say she's a Yankee. <laughs> I wonder if she got one of those uh, which with Wichita uh, Wichita uh, state T-shirts. Uh, I forget. Walmart said, Walmart dropped the ball. It was a fun interview, though. I want to say that. And it was very, as I was saying, calm but confident. Uh, I want to put Stephen kind of Uh uh, on Uh the spot with this because I felt this way. I've interviewed both of them. And I want to say, Stephen, all politics aside, okay, we're talking about Mm -hmm. who they are as a person. Okay. I described Laura Kelly as calm, confident experienced, knowing how the system works, more of a listener type approach. I don't think we're ever going to see angry tweets or, you know, Mm -hmm. know, really passionate speeches where she's fed up and, you know. Yeah. Who else come, again, politics Mm -hmm. aside, who else comes to mind? With those attributes? Yes. What level level of government? State government. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if we're talking uh, Kansas City, people we might cover in, uh, you know, Missouri or Kansas. It sounds like a leading. It sounds like a leading. It sounds like there's a writer. Well, someone came to mind. (laughs) Calm, confident, experienced, well liked by some very well liked by supporters. Mm. Who comes to mind? The first thing that comes to mind is probably not your answer. I was going to say Kevin Yoder. No, well, no, I, I actually but, haven't been able to t- speak with him mm-hmm. directly, but I, I thought Mike Parson, I mean, yeah. very experienced yeah. leaders, calm, mm-hmm. confident, you yeah. know, you're not going to get those shaking his fist. Exactly. Right. You're going to get a very assured leader in there. Supporters are very, I can see that again, all politics aside, mm-hmm. I want to be I mean, obviously yeah. one's a Republican, one's a Democrat, but they'd struck me as very similar. Mm. Type people. Well, I that think, is true. I think both of them use their life experience, uh, to, as the mm-hmm. foundation for for who they are as politicians, right. so I think that's the foundation. Now, for it. what I can't wait for, and maybe maybe me and Tom have a a, a summit with them. I call it a barbecue summit. Governor Kelly and Mike Parson are having a meeting in Kansas City soon Ooh. to discuss ending the the border war, the border war with the right. businesses. But like, can you can you imagine? Yeah, I'm saying picture them. Like, I think if you talked about two other governors that conversation would be, oh, how are they going to talk to yeah. each other? And But when you think about Laura Kelly and Mike Parson, too... Cordial, yeah, respectful, right. professional. I, I mean, You could think something will actually happen from that conversation. If we're going to talk about two life experiences, another thing that stood out to me with Laura Kelly was, you know, again, as I keep saying, very calm, very confident. Oh, she's I very her, calm. You know, I kept bringing up the pressure of being a governor. I cannot mm-hmm. imagine that. You are the head of the state, and you are in charge of carrying out policy for the state. Here she is saying, you know, some of the most of the job is fun for her, and she looks forward to it, gets up excited to go to work every day. And I said, where do you get that from? 
and she spoke about growing up in a military family growing up. And, you know, you move around a lot, so you have to be quick at adapting and good with change. And that stood out to me as, you know, the quality that, you know, we're seeing with her. All right, so Tom, uh, your interview, uh, parts of it have been running this week on 41 Action News. Uh, the big story uh, coming out tomorrow, Valentine's Day, on, mm. the, uh, on the 14th. We'll be sure to uh, check that out. And, and if you're busy on Valentine's Day, uh, maybe out shoveling snow or, or out for a or jog. falling in potholes. Or falling in potholes. Uh, we'll also have all of that uh, online at KSHB.com. Tom, thank you. Very good being back here. Hey. <laughs> All right, staying in Kansas, um, Stephen, you hit the turnpike and uh, was we're, we're westbound yesterday. We had um, a K tag, a little K tag um, to talk about a, a story that has kind of gained some national headlines since last spring, um, and it's now something that's trickled its way down to the state house in Topeka, and that's sports gambling. Um, Walk us through how we've gotten up to uh, uh, your story from yesterday. Yeah, basically, like you mentioned months ago, the Supreme Court basically said, hey, sports betting is legal. And so now every state is jumping on it. Virtually every state legislature uh, from the moment the Supreme Court did that has filed a bill to try to regulate it because states say, hey, we can make some money off of this. And piggybacking off of sort of the budget and what Tom was talking about with Laura Kelly, some people are saying, okay, this is a big, you know, in the dark uh, operation in Kansas. If we bring it to light and monetize it and regulate it, hey, maybe some of those funds can go to education or some of those funds can go to roads and bridges. So uh, Kansas has a subcommittee uh, in the federal and state committee, and they had a meeting yesterday. And basically representatives from Major League Baseball and the NBA and um, DraftKings and some others uh, testified or submitted letters. And they're really trying to get the ball rolling on this and moving forward as fast as possible because they know that is a pot of money that can go to a lot of things that can help. Um, there are some differing agreements on um, the bill sponsor is actually uh, Representative Kessinger from Overland Park, Republican. And he thinks the money should go to the general fund and lawmakers, you know, divvy up how the money should go, depending on the circumstance of that time. He says that he doesn't want dedicated funds earmarked for 10 years from now when maybe education doesn't need that much money or something like that. So it's been an interesting conversation. And I think a lot of people, I didn't find anyone who was against it. I think the the only disagreements is where should the money go and where should it be accessible? So in that respect, I thought the witness list yesterday was pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, you had some people who were uh, providing in 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 person testimony. Um, a lot of uh, lobbyists from Kansas gaming interests, casinos, uh, and then you also had uh, a couple of organizations uh, that kind of submitted some written testimony, mm-hmm. and that included Major League Baseball, uh, the NBA. Uh, talk about what each organization um, kind of contributed to yesterday's uh, committee meeting. Yeah, so DraftKings, especially for sports people, you probably heard of that name. Um, they gave an example of when they moved into New Jersey, they said in a six- to eight-month period, um, $1.6 billion worth of sports betting was done. And literally 72% of those bets were placed on their mobile app. They're basically online, not going to a specific venue to bet. And so their letter to the legislature was saying, look, I know you guys want to monetize this. You have to make it accessible on social media, on an app or something so that everyone can use it. On the flip side of the coin, the casino representatives testified in person and said, hey, this only needs to happen at casinos. We should be, we're the only legal ones that can do gambling and all that jazz. And so make us the only source for it. 
representatives like Kessinger, a Republican, and uh, Representative Brandon Woodard, the new Democrat from Johnson County, uh, both saying, uh, well, you know, casinos aren't in all the parts of the state. And so what if someone lives 100 miles away? You know, they're not going to it's not going to be assess- accessible to everyone. Major League Baseball took a totally different approach. Major League Baseball, in their letter that they submitted, kept driving home. Oh, well, we want the integrity of the game to not be compromised. Integrity fee and, is yeah, being called. Yeah. yeah. And so they, they're. What, is, what, well, integrity, what does that look like? In, in some of the money, fee. some of the revenue goes back to Major League Baseball mm-hmm. or, or one of the leagues. You know, that's. Yeah. that's it's, it's the a, NBA yeah. is asking for a 25 cent royalty. So 25 cent for every $100 bet. What's the basis that they use to even ask for that? I guess that, it's their betting on their thing. Helps yeah. keep the sport clean. Mm-hmm. I guess I think is what they would say because so many people are betting on the games, right? And it's an integrity fee. And yeah, it's my biggest take on sports gambling because I covered it a little bit too in Missouri. Is it's not really a matter of if it's going to be voted in. It's how to divide right, the money. Right, is right. The biggest thing. And More, Major League Baseball kept saying like, "Oh well, Major League Baseball's letter was different than NBA's in this way." Uh, MLB was their representatives basically spelled out in the letter. Well, we don't think betting should happen on individual controllable acts, as in the um, you know a player um, hitting on the first pitch, or you know some really isolated things that you know I could someone can call me and say, hey Stephen, make sure you don't throw a strike your first pitch or something like that. They're concerned about individual controllable acts that could be influenced. Because of sports betting, well, right. But I mean, how many times have you been sitting in a bar with uh, with your buddies, and you're like, "Hey, you know, uh, uh, you know, so and so is going to hit a home run mm-hmm. here next." Right, I right. Bet on, I bet on the Chiefs with my cousin in Boston. Oh, how'd that oh, go? That's <laughs> sad. I shouldn't have even brought that up. Uh, we had a bottle of barbecue sauce on it. I said, I was "Okay." Anyway, but yes, Sam, you're hmm? absolutely right. Yeah, sports betting is becoming very more and more common. You're seeing mm-hmm. DraftKings rise right. up. Their FanDuel is another mm-hmm. big one, I think. And again, it's not necessarily a matter of if it's coming. It's right. how's the money going to be divided. And the NBA was very open. The NBA's letter was like four pages, very open, saying, you know, we think it's time. And I'm almost quoting verbatim them saying, we think it's time to provide a safe way for fans to enjoy wagering. And then a little down in the uh, the letter that you read, that's when they say, and we think we should have a royalty in the amount of $0.25 cent for every $100 bet. So long story short, they're having these committee meetings. They have another one on Monday. They are really trying to, to get this on the floor so that lawmakers can vote for it. I think the appetite is there for it. The big thing is, will it be in just casinos or will it be to everyone and also – Will it go to education? Will it go to transportation? Or will it go to the general fund? I'll keep this quick, too. I, I'm originally from New Jersey, proud, proudly from New Jersey. And we have a horse track in my hometown that you could actually walk to. You could bet on the races if you wanted to. Um, one thing to think about when it comes to sports betting, too, is the outside impact to it all. Because they allowed sports gambling in New Jersey, it's helping that local economy because more people are going to the racetrack mm. and they're going to the local restaurants and they're going to just something to think about, mm-hmm. you know, the impact of the issue. Could be building more exactly. things because yeah. of it. Stephen, you mentioned most legislators are in favor. It's just hammering out the details. It sounds like most are in favor. Do we know uh, Governor Kelly's position on this one? We don't. That's why I, was, I wonder if uh, if she said anything. Oh, actually, uh, I think during the campaign, both Kelly and Kobach kind of sounded okay to it. There you go. I mean, both sides. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's. I just... think, and it's the thing. I mean, think about it. It's a you know and. If not trying to in the weeds, but certain things like gambling and things, 
sometimes you usually see more conservative lawmakers against it because it might not be with religious beliefs of betting and things like that. But this bill is by a Republican, and mainly everyone on the committee, at least the subcommittee, is in favor of it. I think the hard part is just either you know pissing off the casinos and saying, no, we're going to make it on an app, and you can have it in your casino too, but we want it accessible for everyone because the state's probably thinking, hey, we need money. The state's like $5.5 billion in debt, mm. according to the, uh, Jake Letourneau. Um, and so they need the money, and so they probably want the money to be spent by as many people who are willing to without you know turning into lifelong gamblers and s- selling their houses and stuff. What's the, uh, what's the betting line that this gets done this session? Mm. Legalized sports gambling in Kansas and Missouri or, or Kansas. Missouri? Well, we'll get to Missouri I here think, in a second. Okay. But I think it passes. I don't know. I don't know a line, but I know I guarantee so you're pretty. Pass. You're pretty confident that this gets. Through. I think it will pass when there's money on the line and probably quite a bit of money. Right. I bet it gets past this. I would. Now yeah. they're going to piss somebody off, but it's a matter of who. Well, and, and the risk. I asked that question because it seems like there's a little bit of a risk. Tom, you mentioned New Jersey. There's a couple other uh, states in the Northeast that have that. As soon as the Supreme Court said yes, the, that those states were ready to go. New Jersey. Mm-hmm. I think the New Jersey was leading that case. Yeah, they right. were. If they yeah. were. Um, and as that issue has moved west, uh, Tom, you did some reporting in December about what Missouri's trying to do. Um, I think the the ultimate thing that might push Kansas forward is I, I think there's a real fear of missing missing the wave, so missing to speak. The boat. Right? Uh, it, how much is uh, that is going to play a role? And then Tom, speaking of Missouri, where is Missouri at? Uh, I, I have been able to follow it too closely since yeah. I did. But the way Stephen was describing Kansas, too, put forward by a Republican, right? And the governor really hasn't been too outspoken about it, but isn't necessarily against it. I mm-hmm. think is the way to phrase it. Right. Um, so it, they're both very similar in Kansas. And, And think about this. Um, Even though people, you know, try to act like, you know, Kansas and Missouri are such friends and everyone loves each other. Think about how much more money that will be drawn to Kansas or people spending dollars in Kansas. If Kansas gets this passed by the end of the session and up and running and Missouri still, you know, trucking along with committee meetings and things like that, that can draw new revenue to Kansas and they can be ahead of the ball game. When it comes to uh, beating Missouri on some other finances, a lot of people want to gamble on sports. Yeah. And the Missouri, from what I covered, I believe it was late last year. It was not, it was either either the integrity fee or we could use that money to put into sports infrastructure. Uh, you know, like mm-hmm. the bridges that are right near Kaufman or, you know, the parking, I believe, you know, infrastructure right near sports stadiums. Mm-hmm. And then some of the money, too, would go towards, I believe it's veterans programs and education programs. Or the integrity. Again, it's, it's yeah. all about how the I money I think the is biggest debate up. is going to be, okay, and the, the interesting is in the NBA's letter, they said, we want money. MLB didn't say anything about money in their letter. Now, granted, once it gets ready to pass, they can say that. And we didn't even get a letter from the NFL, which, I mean, the Chiefs are here, and we didn't get a, they didn't get a letter from the NFL, but they got it from NBA. Uh, and not saying that there isn't an appetite for basketball here. Uh, it's just interesting that the NBA – outright said, hey, we're with you, but this is what we want. And the NFL didn't even send any correspondence. The key word in all of this conversation, money, mm-hmm. is what it comes down to. Not yes or no, money. Right. And I think I think when it passes, it will go to the general fund. I don't think um, certain lawmakers are going to let them ear, let people earmark this for specific things. 
So I want to wrap this conversation with uh, with a bit of reflection. Um, you guys have covered politics, have been in journalism now for for a long time. Um, you know, I've been in the metro for a long time. Um, Ten years ago, y- you would have been you would have had to have made a, a really strong case, and I probably would have disregarded you um, if you would have told me that in 2018 and 2019 um, that voters in Missouri and Kansas um, would largely be acceptable for medical marijuana and the legalization of gambling um, mm-hmm. in, in various forms, right? I mean, and there's, there's different levels of that. Um, but even that we're cracking the surface of those two issues with the relative ease that we're doing so over the last couple of years, that's eye-opening to me. And we talked about medical marijuana, too, with Governor Kelly, and she was saying, you know, she was very quick to point out, she says, you know, generally speaking, I support the idea. Obviously, we need to kind of kink out some of the details with, uh, you know, a bill and the proposal. But, you know, she brought up the fact that people are literally moving away from Kansas. I mean, we've done stories, too, of parents who have children with epilepsy and suffer mm-hmm. from seizures and are helped with medical marijuana right. who are literally moving to, I think it's Colorado because they can't get the medical marijuana they need here. So that's, you know, a big issue she brought up. And again, she said, you know, largely speaking, I support it, but, you know, we got to work out some of the details that go into that. So that was another issue we spoke about. Stephen, any final thoughts? Final thought is it seems like, and, you know, I'm a newcomer here, but it seems like the appetite for things that which were once forbidden, um, a lot of people's views are changing and specific, not to get political, but Republican views are changing on issues that um, maybe some Democrats have always been for. And now you get Republicans also agreeing with that. Not saying we're going to have super kumbaya, but there are some issues that it seems like the state's overall uh, thought process is changing on what is bad or what is good. We have a Republican governor meeting the Democratic governor from Kansas for a barbecue lunch. I think that sounds kind of nice in this day and age. Tom, so great to have you back yeah, in the in the back. studio. Stephen, always great uh, uh, to be in your presence uh, and uh, had a great conversation about Laura Kelly and yeah. Kansas gambling. So I have to tell a story in case it doesn't end up on television or anywhere else. Okay. Even though I'm hoping that I may have caught lightning in a bottle mm-hmm. yesterday with a story that may end up on television. Mm-hmm. I was pulled over on the way to work yesterday morning at 4 a.m. because I had a taillight out, and I nearly didn't make the 4.30 newscast that morning because of it. So I went same day to get my taillight fixed at the dealership, and as I was wait, waiting there in the waiting area, this man is outside where you drop off your car. Between There's glass between me and him, and he's got this adorable little girl with him, and she's got this big smile, and I waved at her, and she was precious. So they came in. And I said, your daughter's just adorable, sir. And he said, oh, thank you. Uh, Mom is at the hospital right now delivering the next one. Mm. And I said, I'm sorry. And he said, we had a flat tire on the way to take her to the hospital. So I've already had to change a flat tire on the side of the road with her in the car on the way to the hospital. Oh, wow. And she told me, once we got to the hospital, go get the car fixed. So I came over here to get the car fixed. Yikes. I said, so she's, she's in delivery right now. He said, yeah. And he's in an auto repair. And he's in an auto room. repair waiting room with his next child. And I said, "Is this is was, is this baby number two on the way?" Or he said, "No, there's another one. This is baby number three on the way." And I didn't even ask where the other one was. Oh, wow! <laughs> so I ran out to my car and got a pen and paper. I didn't have any business cards with me, and I wrote down my name and my phone number and my email address. And I said, "Hi, I'm Taylor from Channel 41. You're going to have an incredible story and a beautiful baby to talk about, and I would love to tell it on TV if you're interested." Let me know once this all plays out. And he looked at the paper and he looked at me. He said, 
well, I need to talk to my wife. And I said, yeah. Well, apparently. Right? <laughs> yeah, you yeah. do. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> talk to her first, and once she approves it, call me. So if nowhere else does this show up, I had to get that story somewhere out there because it just it will bum me if I don't get to tell the story on television. I, I hope that I do. I hope I get a call from them, and I, I hope that they have a beautiful baby uh, now and a Fixed car. Also. Yeah. Did you did you uh, get your taillight fixed? Yeah, taillight's fixed. Good. Can I ask you what jurisdiction it was in which you were pulled over? Yes, uh, Shawnee, Kansas, pulled uh, me over. Oh, Shawnee. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, pulled me over. Didn't even make it into the fairway. Part I did not. No, wow. they they pulled me over and. Uh, so this would have been Shawnee Mission Parkway and uh, maybe Roland Drive, Nall. Maybe it was even earlier than that. It Lamar. Was, it, it was. I think it was it was right near the the big Ford dealership there on Shawnee Mission Parkway. Oh yeah, I thought and, that was Miriam. Uh, no, mm. and uh, <clears throat> he pulled me over, and like I said, it was four a.m. I was running a little bit late already that morning, and I was doing the four thirty newscast that morning. And he uh, he pulled me over, and I was ready for him on my driver's side, and I rolled down my window, and then I on the on the passenger side, and I kind of had to whip around. Oh wow! Okay, and I right. rolled down that window. Good morning, sir. Such and such officer from Shawnee Police Department I pulled you over this morning because you have a tail light out, and I, I was like, okay, "Right, good." Yeah. You know, immediately thought, "All right, good." The, it's just a tail light, and then he said, uh, "License and registration," and he said, "Are you uh, you on your way to work this morning?" And I don't, I don't know if he recognized me or not, mm-hmm. but I mean, I'm dressed and on the road at four a.m., right. so that's I'm headed someplace. And uh, I said, "Yes, actually, I'm I'm running very late for work right now." That's all I said. And he said, uh, "Okay, license and registration," and I handed it to him. He said, uh, "Okay, I'll be right back." And I was thinking, sir. They uh, sometimes take their time, too, they, running, he running did, all the information. He did take, and I, I didn't want to say, I've got to be on TV in 26 minutes. Could you pick it up a little bit? Mm-hmm. But um, he was very, very kind. And he also helped me with another story that I'm working on because I'm doing a story about break-ins, car break-ins in the area, and how you shouldn't leave valuables around. And I have the box for my iPhone, my work-issued iPhone, the box in which it came, mm-hmm. sitting in a little cutout above my glove compartment in my truck. And he came back and brought my license back. He said, also, you might want to move that uh, iPhone box. I said, what are you talking about? It's been there for months. I didn't even recognize it being there. I said, I'm, iPhone box. He said, he shined his light, and he said, yeah, that right there. He said, uh, we've had a lot of break-ins in the area. Might mm-hmm. want to move that out of the way. And I was thinking, if I had more time, I would talk to him at length about this because I'm doing a story on that very topic. But I said, you're right. I, I will do that. I've heard there are a lot of break-ins. Thank you so much. So your your busted taillight resulted in two possible stories. Possibly. Help, it definitely helped one story in which I'm already working on it and I've already shot stuff to have it air hopefully in the next few days and maybe led to another possibly great story. Hmm. So that's that's what that's what happens at four o'clock in the morning whenever you work the morning shift. My my, my four a.m.s aren't quite as interesting. Well, you're you're doing the wrong shift is all that is. Uh, could be if you if you switch back to uh, when the rest of us get up and get going, you never know what could happen on four, four o'clock in the morning on the road. I uh, hope you're being safe out there, whether it's four a.m. or four p.m. wherever you're headed. Uh, thanks for listening to Forty One Files. We'll see you next week. See ya.